This is Scott, host of the Unprocessed Knowledge Podcast and Black author. You could get all three of my books. My first book, Systematic Racism and Capitalism, Alliance of Oppression. My second book, Hypocrisy in America, The Veil of White Supremacy. And my third book, my first novel, Exodus 2035, all available on Amazon.com and Amazon Kindle. If you don't have a Kindle, you can download the Kindle app to your smartphone or tablet and you can access those products. Thanks for listening. Um, don't forget you and you network. You can find that on Instagram, you and you underscore network, where you can find all the shows uh, under the you and you network. Shout out to the you and you network. You know what I'm saying? And all those podcasts that's on you and you network. Thank for the you and you network that had brothers at you and you network. You can check out the socials at you a N D U underscore network people it's yeah. actually children who march children who are beaten by dogs yeah. children who are beaten if i gotta get expelled i'll take that why do you yeah. think that you and justin jones were expelled but gloria johnson was not expelled you cannot ignore the racial dynamic of what happened today two young black lawmakers get expelled and the one white woman does not that's a statement in and of itself yeah. Memphis and Millington go send us back and uh, we're going to keep fighting for our communities because the status quo is not working. It's hurting people. It's killing people. And they're treating things like this is normal. We can never normalize the ending of democracy. We can never normalize the, the tyranny of the way that these people in positions of power are operating due to white supremacy and due to the maintenance of patriarchy. That's what we're up against. But we are going to fight it because we believe that there is a future that we can live into that is better than the that we currently have. Yeah. Why were those two expelled and you weren't? Well, I think it's pretty clear I'm a 60-year-old white woman and they are two young black men. I, I, in listening to the questions and the way they were questioned, and the way they were talked to, um, I was talked down to as a woman, mansplained to, but it was completely different from the questioning that they got. And this whole idea that, you know, why, you know, that you have to almost assimilate into this body to be like us. Welcome back to another episode of the Unprocessed Knowledge Podcast. You can catch this show on Apple Podcasts. Google Play, if that's still a thing. Spotify. Everybody should be following me on Instagram at unprocessed underscore knowledge. Click the link tree in my bio. Access the show. As you heard in the opening clip, the Tennessee state legislator expelled two of the three Democratic representatives from the Tennessee state legislature from the state legislature that protested against gun violence. Now, legally, you are allowed to participate in peaceful protests. Nothing illegal about that. They expelled them for violating state house rules by, wait for it, wait for it, here it comes, speaking out of turn. That's what they did. They walked on the floor with a bullhorn and they spoke they didn't even get in for the bullhorn 
the bullhorn is not even the problem. The problem is they violated the rules by speaking when it was not their turn to speak. So since they spoke out of turn, they got kicked out. Three members of the state legislature participated in this protest. Two young black men, I believe both of them in their 20s, and one 60-year-old white woman. The 60-year-old white woman, they did not kick out. She survived by one vote. The two young black men, they kicked them to the curb, tell them they got, told them they got to go. These two young black males, they were voted in by the voters. No, this isn't a job. They didn't sh- show up with a resume and do a job interview. Just that and the third. These are state elected positions. They ran for office. People voted them in. They represent their districts in the state legislature. One represents 78,000 people in Tennessee. The other a, um, a little over 70,000 in Memphis. Well, right now, those people don't have representation because they told their elected officials, you guys spoke out of turn. Y'all broke the rule. Y'all got to go. Here's what they were protesting. As you all know, a couple weeks ago down in Nashville, there was a school shooting. Six people killed three nine year olds, three adults or seven people, if you include the shooting. So they were protesting against gun violence. That's the issue. Let's do something. We're lawmakers. We have the the authority to make laws in this state. Well, let's pass some laws that may help some people and save some lives. That's not the issue. The issue is you talk out it. You talked out a turn. You violated the rules. How dare you, nigger? Now we're going to have to toss you about it. Now it goes without saying that. An overwhelming majority in the Tennessee state legislature is Republican. Hell, I think these I think these three folks were the only Democrats. Was race involved? Of course it was because the white woman did not lose her seat. The two black gentlemen did. There is a shifting dynamics in Southern politics. Places like Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Mississippi, Alabama, parts of texas maybe not so much mississippi there's a migration shift that's going on you have people who identify themselves as conservatives that are a lot older who are still holding on to the old the way southern politics conservative southern politics has always been done you also have a generation of people who are younger who tend to be a little bit more liberal okay politically they don't necessarily have a problem with the negras or the lgbtq or things that old southern politics has always had a problem with politically they actually want some forms of gun control here's another interesting dynamic because of covid many people shifted from places like new york California, Chicago, Boston, D.C., and moved down south. Why? Because if because of COVID, if you started working remotely and never went back to the office or if you found a remote position, now you're not tied 
to a particular geographical location, you can work anywhere for strong internet connection. That's just the world we live in. It. So some people in other parts of the country decided, well, I don't necessarily have to pay a king's ransom for a tiny apartment in Brooklyn. I can move to Tennessee. I can move to Florida. I can move to Texas and get more bang for my buck. So when people started moving, migrating back down south, they took their politics with them. Now, people in places like Georgia and Tennessee, parts of Texas, parts of Alabama, I'm not going to say that they're losing their grip, but now you have more of a shift. Now, places that were where your state legislature was just always Republican, now you got a few more Democrats in there. Now, other voices are being heard. Now, people start to stand up and it's like, well, we, we, we don't like this going on in Tennessee. We don't like this going, you know. We got other ideas. So, there's beginning to be a shift in the power dynamics, power dynamics in certain southern places, especially when it comes to local politics. Speaking of politics, also something historical happened. The first time in the history of the United States that a former American president was indicted. Former President Trump was indicted on 34 counts of fraud. I'm sure you heard about it, but I'm going to break it down anyway, just in case you're a little confused. Here's what happened. Back when, when he was running for president, he paid hush money to women he was having extramarital affairs with so they basically wouldn't come out the bag on it. Gave Stormy Daniels $130,000. He gave another woman, ex-former Playboy playmate Karen McDougal, another substantial you know, lump sum of money. That actually, ladies and gentlemen, that actually is not illegal. Public figures, and Donald Trump is a public figure, give people money and have them sign NDAs all the time. I'm going to pay you this money. You sign this piece of paper. You can't talk about this. That happens all the time. There's actually nothing illegal about it. Here's what's illegal. He wrote these cash payments off on his books as legal expenses. And he used them as tax deductions. That is manipulating business records. That's fraud. That actually is illegal. This may surprise a lot of people. Anytime you fix your books and write something off on your taxes, that is false. That's fraud. That's against the law. That's what he's being charged with. He's basically being charged for lying on his taxes. There are. He got indicted for this and there are two other pending legal situations that he's involved in. One of them is the classified documents that he had in his home. The other one is down in Georgia, uh, election fraud. When he called the governor down in Georgia and said, find me, you know, 11,000 votes. Those are actually far more serious charges. The taking of the classified documents, slightly more serious. The voter fraud, that's, that's way more serious. I mean, they got them kind of red-handed on the phone with that one. Those are way more serious charges than this. But the state of New York, this is not a federal case. This is a state case. The state of New York 
they push forward with this indictment. They said, we think there's something here. They think there's something he's going to have to be held accountable for. I'm going to keep it a buck. No grand jury is going to convict a former president of the United States of anything serious when it comes to this. Lying on your taxes. He never wants to see no present time for that. If this even goes to trial, and I suspect it'll probably might not even go. If this even goes to trial, he'll probably just get hit with like a tax penalty. That's it. He's not going to jail over over lying on his taxes. He's he's really not. Now, that being said, when he was in court, the judge confronted him about previous social media posts that he he has made on Truth Social because you know he's banned from Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. So he's trapping out. A tr- he's trapping out a true social. That's his, that's his spot. He's talked about the judge in this case. He's talked about the judge's wife. He's talked about the judge's daughter. He's talked about the prosecutor. He posted a picture of the prosecutor next to a picture of himself holding a baseball bat. So the judge confronted him and he basically told former President Trump, you need to calm these things down. You know, this 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 courtroom isn't a circus. These things that you're putting out there on social media could could potentially get people harmed. And I want you to calm this down. I don't want you to talk about, you know, my wife, my kids, myself in a in a manner that could, you know, potentially be a dangerous situation. Donald Trump did not respond. His lawyers responded and said, well, you know, he was just frustrated when he did stuff like that. Well, the judge told Donald Trump this at two o'clock east coast time seven o'clock east coast time this is donald trump's response in the interest of distilling uh what is particularly newsworthy from Mm -hmm. these roughly half an hour remarks from donald trump at mar-a-lago we want to show you now the two moments we've been talking about here one of the attacks on the manhattan district attorney alvin bragg and then that moment where donald trump the former president went after the judge who presided at his arraignment in new york just a few hours ago listen But now we're there, spend time there today, as you possibly read, with a local failed district attorney charging a former president of the United States for the first time in history on a basis that every single pundit and legal analyst said, there is no case, there's no case. They kept saying, there's no case. (laughs) Virtually everyone But it's far worse than that, because he knew there was no case. That's why last week he delayed for a month and then immediately took that back and threw this ridiculous indictment together. Came out today, everybody said, this is not really an indictment, there's nothing here. My lawyers came to me and they said, there's nothing here, they're not even saying what you did. The criminal is the district attorney because he illegally leaked massive amounts of grand jury information. for which he should be prosecuted, or at a minimum, he should resign. Judge, with a Trump-hating wife and family, whose daughter worked for Kamala Harris, and now receives money from the Biden-Harris campaign, and a lot of it. That is the message that former President Donald Trump wanted supporters uh, and wanted voters to hear on the day of his arraignment. Now, anyone who ever 
been the court. You know, the judge is the court. When you get indicted on charges, if the judge wants to, he can make you sit up in that jail without bond until this thing goes to court, which could be months. He doesn't have to let you out on your own recognizance. He doesn't have to let you out on bond. He could bang that gavel and send you straight to prison if he chooses to. If you ever been to court, you know you walk in that courtroom and it's yes, your honor, no, your honor, you're humble, you, you're polite. No matter what type of attitude the judge has, you better not step out of line. Because one bang of that gavel, gavel, and that's it for you. The judge is the court. In the exact same city, New York, Khalif Browder was arrested on the suspicion of stealing a backpack. And he sat in prison for three years before he even got to see a judge. And once he went to see a judge, the judge threw the case out due to lack of evidence. But he sat up in that jail for three years. Donald Trump flew into New York on his private jet, was in and out the courthouse in about an hour, jumped back on his private jet and left. Donald Trump had the entire courthouse to himself. And the judge told him what not to do. But he basically said, Fuck the politicians, the media, and the government. Yeah, he went last down on him. So, um, and late on uh, this indictment news uh, coming down early in the week, I, I just got one thing to say. We are also fresh off the NCAA college basketball championships for the men and the women. Congratulations to the LS, the female, the, the lady LSU Tigers and the men's UConn basketball team. Congratulations for them. There was a lot of folks. I, I have heard more about female college basketball within the past three, four days than I have my entire life. Not necessarily because of the game or the, the talent of the ladies and they're very talented or the style of play or the coaching, but because of a, a hand gesture. The hand gesture controversy, the yayo dance, the you can't see me, whatever the hell you want to call it. There was a lot of people big mad at Angel Reese from LSU because, you know, she, I, I guess she hurt this white girl's feelings. But um, context is important. If you've been following this story, the player from Iowa, and let, let me get her name, Caitlin Clark. Well, she did the yayo dance first, right, against a team that they previously beat. It wasn't no big deal. It wasn't a controversy. Everybody thought it was cute. They even had her do it in a promo commercial for the national championship game. It wasn't no big controversy. It wasn't no unsportsmanlike conduct brouhaha. And during the championship game, Angel Reese, the the young black female who plays for LSU, she did the same thing to Caitlin Clark, and the internet exploded. Oh, how could she do that? Oh, she's so unsportsmanlike. Oh, she's disrespectful. There were several tweets from grown men many of them white calling this young black girl a and i quote a classless piece of shit me now i didn't see a, i didn't see that same energy when caitlin clark was doing it and everybody thought it was cute and funny 
and she, you know, let's do it in the promo commercial. Oh, look, look at her waving her hands in front of her face. You can't see her in that nice. But when the shoe was on the other foot, then, you know, it's reprehensible and we don't have no room for this in women's college basketball. Interesting indeed. I also think it's weird that, and I believe she has recently walked this back. First Lady Jill Biden, after the game, actually did invite both teams to come to the White House. As I said recently, I believe she walked that back and only LSU will be invited. No coincidence that the Iowa women's basketball team is per overwhelmingly white from what I can see. And the LSU team is not. Okay, it's a bunch of sisters on that team. But congratulations to the Lady Tigers and the women of LSU. Speaking of basketball, I got to get this out while I'm on it. Everybody plays the same sports, black racially, black kids and white kids. They all grow up playing the same sports. Too many black parents put their kids in sports so they can go pro. And when they don't go pro, man, what white parents put the put their kids in these sports to extract the principles from it. So when they go into their career of choice, they can be successful in that when they go to law school or when they start a restaurant or when they go work in corporate America, they can take those principles of teamwork, perseverance, playing through to the final whistle, game planning, executing the game plan, mental toughness. They take those principles and they excel in their careers. Bob takes those principles, rides the bench all through high school, barely sees the floor. But Bob goes and starts a chain of car dealerships using the same principles he used in basketball and becomes a multimillionaire. Jamal, who's a star basketball player all through high school, maybe he gets some scholarship to a college, but doesn't go pro. Now, Jamal's disappointed. He just spent his dedicated his whole life to the sport. He didn't make the league. Now he has to go work for Bob and one of his car dealerships. We as black people, we are taught that the only way we can be successful is through sports, music, and entertainment. If you're not an athlete or a musician or actor, then you can't get money. You're not going to be successful, which is not true at all. Think about it. Anytime they want to talk to black society as a whole, they get an athlete. They get an entertainer to try to talk to black folks, get black folks to vote, calm black people down because the cops them murdered, mur- murdered somebody on video. They always go get an athlete or entertainer to talk to black society. When they want to talk to white society, they get a politician. They get somebody with real power. Think about that. If you think I'm lying, because I'm not. You ain't never seen them go get Tom Brady or Luka Doncic to go talk to white society. Now, they get the Speaker of the House. They get the President of the United States. They get someone with with, with real power. Because white society, they don't take marching orders from athletes and entertainers. That's what we do. Why? Because we want to be rich like them. And we've been conditioned to think the only way we could be rich and successful is through sports and entertainment. And at the end of the day, all these athletes and entertainers still working for white folks. 
who are far more wealthier than them. There is only one black owner in the NBA, and that's Michael Jordan. All the other teams owned by white folks. And while we on it, only 60 players get drafted in the NBA every year. There's about 5,500 5, D1 college basketball players. You got 5,500 college basketball players every year fighting for 60 jobs. Think about that. And that's D1 athletes. These are the big schools. Do you know how many, and, I, and just men's, you know how many male high school basketball players there are in this country? There are over half a million male high school basketball players. Now, if you want to go to the high school level, that's half a million people that's going to be fighting for 60 jobs. Let's talk about the 14 words. Meanwhile, some Hutchinson residents tonight are angry after a picture of a local company's truck blew up on social media showing what appears to be a reference to a white supremacist slogan printed on the side of it. Tonight, the owner says he's defending that slogan, saying it will bring him more business. Cakes Eli Higgins spent the day in Hutchinson to get to the bottom of it. Eli? Well, Deb, we're talking about the photo you see on the screen behind me. This truck has the phrase 14 words by David Lane printed on the side. If you don't know what this is, you're not the only one. But when residents found out, they were shocked. This truck, owned by Kansas Air Cedar Service, is drawing a lot of attention in the streets of Hutchinson. Printed on the side, 14 words by David Lane. I don't care what a bunch of degenerates, Marxists, and pedophiles have to say about my work. Owner Ross Hack defends the same. A quick Google search shows that 14 words by David Lane is a reference to a 14-word quote that says... We must secure the existence of our people and a future for white children. There's such a rash of anti-whiteism in this country, and I can't believe they would make a story about a working man's truck that has a quote on there that says nothing bad about anybody or any race. The Anti-Defamation League says 14 words, and the quote it references is the most popular white supremacist slogan in the world, and that it reflects a belief that unless immediate action is taken, the white race is doomed to extinction by an alleged rising tide of color, purportedly controlled and manipulated by Jews. A Facebook post of the truck quickly spread, and people aren't happy. Michelle Renee says, why untag your business? Are you not proud of your racism and white superiority? Jesse Borowski says, it is utterly disgusting to me that such an openly racist group resides in our city. I put it on there for the saying, for who that person is or whatever he did, people can argue about that. That has nothing to do with the person. It's a good quote. The Hutchinson News reports Ross Hack went to trial in 2014, accused of being one of the masterminds in a 1998 Las Vegas murder of two men who were thought to be killed for opposing racial and ethnic prejudice. But it says even though Hack's own sister and ex-girlfriend pleaded guilty to conspiracy to commit murder under Hack's direction, the jury found him not guilty. 
Hack says he actually thinks these words will only bring him more business. If this thing would have ended up with black children, I'd be getting an award from somebody. You know, the statement like that and not backing down to the woke crowd is going to make even more people actually call me. And I kind of see that right now. Hack tells us he did remove the quote from that work truck out of safety concerns for his family. But otherwise, he says he plans on continuing business as usual. In studio, Eli Higgins, Cake News, on your side. Uh, was anybody else listening in that story where they said the owner of the truck, Ross Hack, was also involved in a conspiracy trial of a double murder years prior? Now, this dude talking about he's not a racist, dude. Your sister testified against you that you was the mastermind behind a double murder. I just pulled up the details. Research is what we do here. Despite his sister's and ex-girlfriend's testimony against him, Ross Hack, the owner of that truck, the alleged neo-Nazi mastermind between the ambush murders of two anti-racist skinheads, was found not guilty by a federal judge in Las Vegas. Hack's co-defendant, Leanne Jones, was also acquitted after the two-week trial that included testimony from an unlikely parade of white supremacists (laughs) and at least one apparent Holocaust denier who testified as character witnesses for his defense. This dude hanged with white supremacists. The racially diverse... Okay, so basically, apparently there's something called an anti-race neo-Nazis and something that I've never heard of. Anti-racist skinheads have been at war for years over how they treat the niggers. And this guy's ex-girlfriend and sister testified that he was the mastermind behind having two of these anti-racist skinheads murdered. Because they have different ideologic ideological differences over how non-white people should be treated. Wow. Okay. 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 Now, there's no way in hell this guy can't deny he's a racist. His character witnesses were neo-Nazis and Holocaust deniers. <laughs> okay. Wow. All right. Let's get to a did you know. Haven't done one of these in a while. Have you ever heard of a group, a so-called secret society called the Shriners? Go ahead and do a quick Google search. Look them up, the Shriners. You'll probably see a symbol or a picture of a white man wearing a fez. If you want to go even deeper and go the symbol, Google the symbol of the Shriners, you'll see a picture of a sword a crescent moon, a star, and a picture of an Egyptian pharaoh. Who are the Shriners? The Shriners are really an offshoot of the Masonic Temple. They do have a children's hospital, but that's not the secret. Here's the so-called secret. The Shriners are a group of white men who study Islam in secret. That's what they do. 
that fez that they're wearing you see them all wearing fezes right that's of the moorish tradition the symbol that sword that's an arabic style sword the moon the crescent moon and the star that's a symbol of islam like they're telling you what they're all about <laughs> that's the secret we're studying islam don't tell nobody we're the shriners now remember I said they're an offshoot of the Masonic Temple. Who are the Masons? The Masons are also a group of white men who study various things. But two of the things that they study in particular is they study the Bible. And once you reach to a certain level, because there's different levels in Masonry, after they have completed their study of the Bible, they start studying the Quran, among various other things. They study religions. Here's another, did you know? You probably didn't know. Google this. Thomas Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson's Quran, former president of the United States, Thomas Jefferson, you, you know, you know, you know him, had over 300 slaves, the white man, Sally Hemmings, the whole nine child rape. Thomas Jefferson had a Quran. It was his. That's probably he took notes in it. Thomas Jefferson was also a Freemason. This is part of what they do. There was a time where Thomas Jefferson's book library was sold to the Library of Congress, and they were actually surprised that in his personal book collection was a Holy Quran. And they verified that, yeah, this is actually his handwriting. He was studying it. He had to as part of his Masonic order. That's part of what they do. They do it in secret. If you didn't know, now you know. Now, if you're studious and you want to find a older image or symbol of the Shriners. Right now, the Pharaoh's face is white. If you can find an older image of the Shriners, the Pharaoh's face is actually black. And the five pointed star that's in the crescent moon has Arabic letters written around the star. And the Arabic letters are A-L-L-A-H. A lot. Because they're studying Islam. That's the secret. Don't tell nobody. Don't tell them you heard it from me. All right. Don't 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 send the shriners after me. <laughs> Once again, this has been another episode of the Unprocessed Knowledge Podcast. Thanks for listening.